Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 140 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast, and today we are going to talk about a bunch of games that were played Tuesday evening. Georgetown at the Mount, Wagner at Hofstra, Bellarmine at Robert Morris. We're going to talk about how Limestone got upset by Wingate over the weekend, and not just an upset, but kind of a rout in the end. And uh, then we're going to talk about some games that are later this evening. And actually, we'll just talk about those quick now. We got High Point at Virginia. Before I get into that, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And the easiest way to help us out, just subscribe. Right now, we're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. We went over 9,300 today. So just blindly subscribe, blindly like the video, and share with your friends, please. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com to get swag. We have hats, t-shirts, all sorts of brand-related stuff. And then just regular lacrosse t-shirts and shorts. You name it, we have it. Laxfactor.com. So let us get into this now. Games later... This evening, you're going to be watching this Wednesday morning. I'm recording this late Tuesday night. We have High Point at Virginia. UVA is coming off the beatdown at the hands of Syracuse. They're going to be looking to bounce back and get some of their frustration out. And High Point, they're coming off an ass-kicking at the hands of UNC. Could be a very physical, very chippy, very fast-paced very high scoring game because both of these teams are going to be angry. They're going to be playing angry and both of them want to get back in the win column. So could be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised though, to see Virginia come out and overachieve and high point, just not quite be able to keep up, but you know, it's those weekend games and these week or weekday games and these weekday games, you tend to see some weirdness happen. We did not see any weirdness happened though in the games to uh, on Tuesday night tonight that I'm recording this here. Georgetown put the beat down on Mount St. Mary's 17 to 5. The Georgetown defense finally cracked. They gave up a whopping five goals to the Mount on Tuesday. Some things we learned in Georgetown's third blowout of the year. Watching them's exciting and not exciting at the same time. Def- when teams are really good defensively, you really have to be a defensive nerd to just sit there and enjoy the crap out of it because when teams that are as good defensively as Georgetown is, it's the little things that they do that make a big deal. They're very much like the old Louisville basketball teams with Rick Pitino back when he used to just keep stats for um, batted balls and you know get a hand on a ball, tip a ball. Being disruptive was the name of their game, and that's what this defense does. They have their sticks and passing lanes, knocking balls down, disrupting play. They play solid man-to-man defense and an and excellent help defense where called upon, but they don't have to help all that often because they play such good just basic man-to-man defense and their short stick D-mids play excellent defense as well. They get up and out in transition, create offense by flipping the field whenever they do pick the ball up off the off the deck. Owen McElroy barely gets tested, but the difference between him and most goalies, at least over the course of their first two games, was even in games where goalies are prone to get bored, you're not seeing a lot of shots, your offense is whooping up on teams, you tend to give up more shots than you let in when when the flow of the game isn't going through you, and you're kind of just there as everybody else is beating on everybody. That's normally the case. It wasn't the case tonight, and we'll talk about that, but when your your goalie only faces 7 to 15 shots, as was the case in Georgetown's second game game. I think he faced like 11 shots on cage and saved 10 of them and only gave up one goal. That's, that's a, that's a really solid game out of a goaltender. And that's not normal. Normally, if you beat someone up 
19 to one, I think is what that score was. And you face 11 shots. You're normally giving up five of those. And that's why Georgetown over those first two games only gave up one goal in each of those games was because McElroy was on top of his game on top of the fact the defense played great. Now, McElroy, another great thing, and, and he didn't do that in this game here. In, in this game today, he was far more normal looking in terms of how a goalie would normally look when their offense is beating someone up and he's not getting a whole lot of looks. So we'll talk about that. One of the cool things in this game, McElroy absolutely lit a dude up. Player was coming underneath his defender from the back right corner, and as he approached the crease, McElroy was kind of out trying to cut down that angle so that as he was going underneath his defenseman, he couldn't feed to the crease, and he didn't see McElroy, and McElroy just lit him up. Got a penalty. I was actually at one point thinking they might throw him out. They didn't, but it was a pretty pretty good hit. A lot of people are going to say, oh, it was a clean hit. He deserved the penalty. And it was on the line of what an official could have decided to maybe eject him for, even though I don't, I'm glad they didn't. I think they got it right. There was also a very nice long pole give and go, and not just like any long pole give and go. This was a long pole picking a pass off on the defensive end, booking it upfield, seeing that there's, they have a, he had a two-on-one with himself and the trailer, who was another long pole. So he gives the ball up to the trailer coming down on the fast break. And then he cuts to the crease. The long pole who was trailing, who caught the pass from him, feeds him back to the crease, and he sticks it. So it was a long pole give and go to a long pole, back to the long pole. It it was whatever you'd call it. It was a beautiful sequence. It started with uh, Wallace Halpert picking off a pass in the middle of the field, throwing it back on the trailer of the break, and then sticking it for a goal. I think it was him that did it. Uh, Jake Carraway, he is very good. Jake Care, that's one of the other things that we learned. Jake Caraway is very good at lacrosse, and he even has some help from his friends. Caraway went five and two in the win. TJ Haley, one and six. Uh, six helpers on the day. That's a hell of a job for him. The list of guys that put up one or two points as long as I think it was 12 guys had put up at least one point or more at, at some stage, and I think about half of them had at least two. And then Alex Mazone on defense, he's done a really good job all year. Three cost turnovers, seven ground balls, so he was a monster. And then their short stick D mids played really well, I think, as well. I think that they, they're they not big names, but they play really solid defense. They don't get beat a lot, especially out top. We didn't see them get inverted too much in today's game, but they do. They scrap. They'll force a couple of turnovers. They'll pick some balls off the ground and book it upfield. So I do like the short stick D mids in, in relation to this defense and everything. It's They're just an incredible team. One other thing we learned, well, no, we didn't learn anything else. We're just going to say that's all we learned in this game. Why did they give up more than one goal in this outing compared to the other teams they played? Number one, I think the Mount's a pretty solid team. It's not to say that Villanova and who they who else did they beat up? Villanova and St. John's, was that the other team they beat up? It's not to say that they're not in the same league as the Mount. I think part of it is McElroy just wasn't as sharp. He, he, he didn't face a lot of shots, and in the other two games, he didn't face a lot of shots, but he stopped every shot that he faced except one in each of those games. In this case, it was just a matter of the way the ball bounced. He didn't have as many saves. They end up scoring five goals. If this was uh, last weekend's game and he was really on top of his game, it could have been a one- or two-goal game again, but the Mount put some, put some shots on cage. The shots they did put on cage were 
pretty pretty doorstep like the first goal of the game that I've already rolled here in the highlights that was just a dude at X get, getting absolutely roasted one of the short stick demons that I was praising getting absolutely roasted a dude just wrapping around the crease and sticking it before anyone even knew what happened so that was one of the reasons and then the other reason in the first two games Georgetown handled the, their business at the faceoff dot and they didn't in this game they dominated they handled Villanova well I think it was somewhere in the area of they won like 60% of them against St. John's in their second game they won won like 80% of their draws. It was ridiculously overwhelming how many draws they won compared to St. John's. So that contributes. It gives you a more chances to not let them score when they don't have the ball. So I think that's the other reason. And then, you know, just the Mount, at some point you were going to give up some goals and they still, they still kicked the crap out of them. What was the final score in the end? 17 to five. So I think Georgetown will take this and, and I think they'll be pleased with it. One thing, uh, and then also, you know, the quality was the the quality was still there. This was not a bad defensive effort by Georgetown just because they gave up five goals. You know, to be clear, it wasn't a team that let up on defense, and that's why they gave up five goals. They played well. They uh, they. You know, the game, uh, the outcome of the game was never in question. The defense got a ton of stops early. Georgetown scored first, then the Mount scored to make it 1-1, and then Georgetown's defense clamped down through, you know, into the second half. So, I mean, they're, their short stick D mids played well. They're playing solid man, not man-to-man defense. They did everything right. I just think it was one of those cases where McElroy just let a few in that he hadn't over the course of the first two games, and that's the story. Another thing we learned overall is the Mount's not a bad team. Despite their 1-3 and record, they're not a bad team. They they could still do well in the NEC. They haven't played any league opponents yet, but I think they'll be able to hang with Bryant, Hobart, and the likes of the NEC. NEC. So don't count them out just because they're one and three now and they got a rough start. They played a decent non-conference schedule. So, you know, I mean, not any huge names outside of uh, this one here, but they, they haven't played any chumps really yet. Everyone on their on their schedule so far has been solid. The next game that played tonight, Wagner got beat up by Hofstra. Wagner six, Hofstra 18. Hofstra gets another win, improves to 2-1 and one on the season, and Ryan Tierney once again puts on a show in terms of offensive efficiency. And wait a minute, is that maybe Hofstra's third game? I think that I think Hofstra might be 3-1 and one now. I think that where I was looking at their record, it hadn't registered this win yet. So I think Hofstra's 3-1 and one because I'm pretty sure Tierney had – yeah, yeah, they're 3-1 and one now. Tierney, though, six goals off 11 shots, 55% shooting percentage. So Tierney just continues to be really good. During the game, he broke some Hofstra record. I think it was for maybe most goals over his career, something like that. He tied the record and then broke the record. He did that early in the game as well. Alex Concanon, the transfer, three goals and two helpers. He continues to be very productive for them. So in the games where Tierney, maybe he's not going to be all that, and maybe he's not going to put up his six to 11 points or whatever the heck he's doing that day. Can, can Cannon can absolutely step up and put and fill, and he can put up seven, eight, nine points depending on the day, the matchups, and all that. Justin Linsky, two goals, two helpers. Michael Altman, Hofstra defender, three cost turnovers and two ground balls. And then Philip Buke uh, for Hofstra, three goals. I, I think that's how you would say that. I'm not even sure how you would pronounce that. So Hofstra routed him, and Tierney once again just keeps putting up big numbers on teams. The last game of the evening, D1 anyway, Bellarmine, Robert Morris. Bellarmine gets beat up, 17-8. No, no really good games here. There was no upsets. Tuesdays were not for upsets. Hopefully Wednesdays will be up for upsets. Robert Morris, they pick up their second win of the season. And once again, it may be their third, but I think it's only their second. After a two-game, they had a two-game skid. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame as the second. Or no, they, lost, they had a two-game skid to start the season out. 
get a win, play Notre Dame, and they lose. And Notre Dame, they lost to Notre Dame in kind of an embarrassing way, albeit Notre Dame, I think, is really good. And, you know, they wanted to get back in the win column and they wanted to, you know, make sure that they didn't, they didn't lose back to back games twice already in this early season. And in this one, I don't think it was ever in doubt. Bellerman, not very good. It was uh, never close. 3 1 halfway through the first, 5 1 by the end of the first. It did get back to 5 3 as Bellerman came out and scored the first two goals of the second, but 7 3 by the half. And Robert Morris never looked back from there. Ryan Smith, the big cat. I, I really like Ryan Smith for Robert Morris. He goes off in this game five goals, six assists off eight shots, 63% shooting percentage. So he had a great game. I love this kid. Big, strong, great stick, high lacrosse IQ. A bright spot for Robert Morris for sure. Austin Popovich, three and two. Jake Boudreaux, three goals. Liam Rosenthal in cage for Robert Morris, 14 saves, facing 21 shots. So he was 67% in the cage for Robert Morris. Steve Delamanaki or Delamanak or Delamanash. I don't know how to pronounce that. 10 of 16 from the faceoff dot. Robert Morris took 52% of the draws in all or thereabouts. Blake Laurie, short stick D mid, caused two turnovers, three GBs, and then Kyle Playstead for Bellerman, one and three in the loss. Now, a game that we didn't talk about in the Sunday review that I should have, but I just didn't have time, and I actually I didn't even know that it happened until after I had recorded Sunday morning's show, was Wingate beating Limestone at Limestone. They were on the road over the weekend. Wingate beats them 12-3. to Now, Wingate, they improved to 3-0, and I believe, and once again, I'm not sure if... Yeah, I think they are 3-0 because that happened last weekend, so that should be accurate. Thanks to this huge victory of the weekend. I didn't talk about it because, like I said, I had a ton of D1 games to do, and then I truthfully didn't even know that it happened until I was hitting up Twitter. And then I actually had a, a good friend, Bob Leary, hit me up yesterday saying, how could you not have talked about Wingate and Limestone on Sunday? And I was like, hey, Bob, I'm sorry. I will talk about it on Wednesday, though. Story of the game. Slow burn to a lopsided victory. 3-0 in favor of Wingate after the first. Willie Graco to Danny Riley hit twice. First goal of the game and three goals of the game. Uh, third goal of the game, those two hooked up. 7-3 at the half, and it looked worse than that at one point as Wingate held a 7-1 lead with just 4.30 left in the second quarter before Limestone tallied twice to close out the half. Then, Adam Vod... Vod... Vodavnik. Okay, Adam Vodavnik, we're going to say, we're going to go with that, scored a natural hat trick uh, just three minutes uh, into the second quarter. Two of those three goals were assisted by Willie Graco again. So, uh, Vodavnik, nat natural hat trick. That's pretty awesome. And then, I mean, you see this trend developing. Willie Graco, he had five assists over the course of the first half, finished the game with five as well. Second half was more of the same, though. Wingate just kept rolling. Out, out, I wrote outsourcing limestone outscoring limestone 3-0 over the third 2-0 over the fourth just like I said slow burn they didn't absolutely just kick the crap out of them but they slow burned them to a 12-3 defeat and that's that's just a hell of a job for Wind Wingate scoring for them the Vidovnik kid six six um six goals for Vidovnik Willie Graco five assists Danny Riley four and one Edward Erickson the Wingate keeper 10 saves versus three goals against so he had a hell of a game Wingate one big despite losing 55 percent of the draws Christopher Parrott won 11 of 17 for Limestone so that was a bright spot for the Saints and then in, as you look at the box box score nothing really jumped out it really did just appear to be that slow burn to to success bad bounces go Limestone's way Wingate capitalizes 
pieces. And, it, and from what I've heard, that was the story through the game. It was just a series of uh, Limestone did not perform well and Wingate performed really well. And Wingate is a good enough team that, you, you know, you just can't you can't do that against them. That's not allowed. It's not going to work out for you really well. All right, so what else do we have? We have all this PLL news that I'm just not excited about. I could give a crap about the protected players and who's going to get, you know, until the draft comes, I don't really care for the most part and all the stupid trades. Who cares? I mean, I'll, I'll watch it once um, once it happens, but I, you see a lot of these dudes getting, or they're, a lot of the lacrosse media, lacrosse Twitter is trying to treat the PLL offseason here as if it's the NFL and I know they're trying to make a name for themselves within that reporting world of the pro lacrosse side of it and a lot of the fans I think are into it but it is it is not that and it is really not that exciting what I'm seeing on Twitter is a lot of guys trying to force the excitement I see the PLL obviously trying to force the excitement but you know in the end eh, it'll be it'll be all right and I I I, I don't look forward to the offseason for the PLL but I do look forward to the season and getting to watch some watch some games again here this summer what do we got on the docket for this weekend? As we are looking at the Division One calendar here, tonight, Wednesday night, we have, like I said, Virginia hosting High Point, 3 p.m., so that's an early afternoon game. And then we have UMass Lowell at Vermont at 4, and then the Wednesday nightcap is Fairfield at Providence. So those are the games we have coming up on Wednesday, and then there is nothing again until Saturday. We have a bunch of games, assuming some of these happen. We finally might see UMass play. UMass is supposed to take on Hofstra. I am not sure if that one's actually going to happen. We've got Air Force at Virginia. That'll be a big one. We have Marquette at Georgetown. That'll be a big one for Marquette and Georgetown. I presume Georgetown, once again, is going to route someone. Maybe Georgetown will only give up one goal again. We'll see. Stony Brook at UMBC. America East rivalry game. Bucknell at Navy, I think, got canceled. So I do not think Bucknell and Navy are playing, even though that's still showing on the schedule. We'll get to see uh, Quinnipiac and St. Bonaventure play. I believe that's their first games. Mount St. Mary's, we have some NEC action here. Mount St. Mary's playing at Hobart. Now, Hobart, I had heard someone tagged me in, in a Twitter post saying that they heard that Hobart had lost to RIT in a scrimmage earlier this week or maybe over the weekend. And they were surprised that I'm not surprised that a division three team could beat a mid-level division one team. I mean, RIT is one of the best division three teams in the, in the country and Hobart is a mid-level division one team. So in a scrimmage, you could see that division. It used to happen a lot. OCC even used to hang with Syracuse. I know Herkimer back in the day used to scrimmage Syracuse and Lemoyne and Herkimer used to have a three-way and both of those teams would fare well against even the orange. So it's not out of the ordinary. The teams at the top levels of, of any division, you know, they can play, they can hang with even good teams at the D1 level. Um, so I rambled about that Vermont at Syracuse. So I would expect to see Syracuse kick the crap out of Vermont. That's what us Cuse fans are hoping for Hopkins at Maryland. That's going to be one of the big 10 plus games. I think it's on big 10 plus, but that is going to be a, an interesting game. I do believe that Maryland's probably going to handle them, but I want to see how is Hopkins progressing? Are they getting better? How is the attack? How, how is Epstein looking now? He looked better in the last game. So that'll be interesting to see. Jacksonville, Utah, that's always a good one. They'll, they'll kick the crap out of each other. Let's see. We got Loyola at Lehigh. That'll be big. Mercer is going to get absolutely demolished by North Carolina on Saturday. Boatload of games here. Bellarmine at Notre Dame. Notre Dame should take that one. Albany, who do they play? U Albany at Hartford. We have a huge Big Ten battle in Ohio State at Penn State. So we're going to start to figure out now, hey, 
who's going to be the second, third, fourth place teams in the big. I predict it's going to be Maryland at the top, and then you're going to have Rutgers probably as number two, and then Ohio State and Penn State will probably do battle there to try to pick up that third spot. Maybe Hopkins could could uh, meddle and, and be dangerous, and then Michigan's going to get whooped by Rutgers, I'd presume. We get Binghamton University playing. I'm, I'm in Binghamton here, so I'm in Vestal, so I'm close to Binghamton, so I'm hoping to check out one or two of their games this this season, but they are playing at New Jersey Tech, you know, eh. Denver at St. John's, bunch of games. And then Duke at Richmond. That'll be a good one on Sunday. We have Duke at Richmond. So those are the games we have for D1. And that's pretty much it. I'm not going to ramble too much more here. We're going to get out of here. We're going to be back for Saturday morning's live stream. We'll talk about some of the games that are upcoming. We'll talk about, I don't think there are, yeah, we'll talk about Wednesday's games a little bit. So we'll we'll talk maybe a little bit about this High Point Virginia game Saturday morning, 10 a.m., youtube.com forward slash laxfactor if you want to join the live stream. We'll put links up on Twitter, Facebook before it starts a little bit Saturday morning. But every Saturday morning, we do the live stream talking about the upcoming college across games that day, 10 a.m., youtube.com forward slash laxfactor. Had to be redundant there and make sure the people who are listening had a chance to write it down on a pen and paper so that they don't miss it. Um, and as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. We have all the videos up here and everything like that. We're going to keep saying it, but we're getting close to putting out a bunch of new educational content, film review stuff, telestrating all over the field and all that, or all over the, the screen, you know, drawn yellow lines and arrows and crap like that. We'll do that too. So if you listen, if you're watching right now, or uh, if you want to listen, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor. You can send us audio messages through there, but if you're a listener of the podcast, you can get it everywhere. Apple Podcasts is where most of you nerds watch it. You got to be an Android. I'm an Android guy. I am an Android guy through and through. I'm an Apple hater. Android and Windows here is what I use primarily. But all right, I digress. Come back Saturday morning and then also come back Sunday morning. Saturday morning, we got the live stream. Sunday morning, we have the Saturday review where we put highlights and talk about all the games from Saturday. So Saturday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday morning about 10 a.m. We'll have two more shows for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Hoost is out.